Welcome to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. This week, I'm joined by Robert Kafsik, a senior economist from BMO's economics team, and Jordan Sugar, BMO's provincial bond trader. This episode is titled Provincially Speaking. I'm Ben Reitzis, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC sales and trading desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep the show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. I don't think I've had you both on before. I've tried to do this for a few weeks. I'm happy that it worked out. We get the we get the trading side of things and the fundamental side of things. And so uh, anyone that's interested in the provinces should be a very keen listener this week. It's good to be here, Ben. Thank you, Ben. All right. So uh, kick things off here. I'm going to do the least amount of talking I think I've ever done on one of my podcasts. But uh, let, let's start off just sugar. Let's start with you, Jordan. I call him sugar lovingly because... That's what we do here. How are how is the provincial market trading at the moment? Where where are spreads kind of from a from a historical perspective? Are we rich? Are we cheap? Where are we right now? Just big picture. I would say right now we're kind of in the middle of the range here. Um, you know, we've been as wide, let's say, just talking longs. We've been as wide as uh, 104, and we've been as tight as 92. And we're kind of right now at the time, you know, in that 97 range or so. We've had some good news come out from the provinces, but that seems to have all but been priced in. And right now, the topic is uh, is the December coupon flow that we have coming out uh, coming up next week. Okay, before we get to the the December coupon flows, because that that's a a big conversation topic. Let's let's touch on the fundamentals. uh, Importantly, let's do it more than touch to get get deep in the fundamentals here. Uh, Rob, we just had the fiscal updates uh, from all the provinces. Where do things stand at the moment? uh, And and how are things going to look six months from now, maybe a year from now? Well, things look very good right now. I mean, we got public accounts through the summer for last year. So combined, the provinces overall are balanced uh, in a small surplus. We're probably looking at a small surplus for this fiscal year as well. And I mean, we all know following the group that we've kind of gone through this two-year period where it's just been constant upside surprises, right? Because provinces came out with what proved to be much too bearish economic outlooks and not nearly enough of a building for inflation and and revenue gains. So that helped really close out the deficits very quickly. The the trick is going to be when we go to to next fiscal year, Um, most provinces, like if you look at their most recent medium term fiscal outlooks, we're still kind of leaning on economic outlooks that now actually look too optimistic. So we've probably reached the point where we're starting to flip over from upside surprises to maybe relative to what's on the books right now, maybe downside surprises in, in, into next fiscal year and next budget season. So, we, I mean, BMO, and we have a recession in our forecast for the first half of next year, and maybe that gets pushed to the middle of next year. Not, not even sure that matters all that much at the end of the day here. But when looking at the the growth profiles that that we have and that the provinces have, real growth is probably going to disappoint relative to where they are. But is nominal growth going to disappoint? And isn't that what matters at the end of the day for revenues? 
Yeah, it's 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 a bit of both. So real growth will disappoint. Nominal growth probably um, comes about in line with some of the medium-term outlooks that we're seeing now. Maybe it maybe a touch better. I mean, it depends how sticky inflation and and, and the deflators are. Uh, I mean, we've we've been in the uh, on the high side of inflation all along. So I'll I'll, I'll lean to the positive side on on that front. But on net, maybe a little bit of downside versus you know. Uh, the medium-term plans that were put in place most most recently as a, as a group overall. Obviously, there are some nuance when you go below the surface. But. We've heard from a lot of the provinces over the past uh, months, really, that have come out with, with uh, inflation payments, to some extent inflation support payments. Uh, I think pretty much every province has done something at this point. Uh, what What's the total fiscal impact of that so far? Uh, and, and do you think we'll get more? Is that is that going to be on the table again for budget season next year or are, are the, those those downside risks to growth going to materialize and, and they'll just have less room to spend at that time well so yeah so well, direct answer to your question we have like 11 billion dollars or so of direct payments from the provinces to the households to to fight inflation and i know we laugh about it because what's more inflationary than just sending money to people right but regardless of of the of the policy choice, it's about eleven billion dollars. It's like 04 percent of GDP. So there's there's definitely some incremental stimulus coming from the provinces. Um, everybody has done something that has directly given money to households. Now, like some provinces might call it something different. Like Ontario gave out payments to households with kids as an education support payment, right? wasn't under the banner of inflation support, but it was still basically free money. Uh, most others have, have done something similar. What we're going to see next year, like it's it's hard to say, I guess, because everybody's in a very strong fiscal position now relative to where they were like two years ago. There's a lot of room to work with. Alberta's one that has an election coming up, and that's always important because uh, if you look at what Quebec did over the last 12 months, they rolled out a ton of stimulus in advance of their election. Ontario's budget last year was pre-election. That's where you get most of the big spending. So the big two, the big three provinces are kind of past that cycle. So we might not see as much there, but Alberta's going into that cycle and they they have a ton of money and they have an election coming up that might be more closely fought than maybe we would have thought a little while ago. And even just within the last couple of days, they've started to push some of that out. Another, yeah. another $2 billion directly to to, to people's bank accounts. That was going to be my next question on uh, on, on on elections and, and uh, what what's coming up on that front. And clearly, it matters because I mean that every everybody likes free money. So, Rob, you laid out how the uh, the fiscal news has been has been pretty good uh, over the past number of months, really kind of year or so. Uh, almost always surprising on the high side, on on the better than expected side. Jordan, what have we have we seen markets react to this? Is this fully priced in? Are we done? Uh, pricing the upside and and maybe the fact that the next surprises are probably going to lean to maybe the softer side we'll see or the flat to the softer uh, is that what's coming next for spreads? So yeah, we've seen all all the news all but priced in. Um, we've seen uh, you know spreads for Alberta, BC, Manitoba, Saskatchewan all uh, all kind of stall out here. Um, clients are definitely playing it cautiously. They're they're involved in new issues. The secondary markets are a little bit quieter. Um, you know, anytime that there's uh, clients need to sell anything, you know, it seems to be that those provinces are the are the candidates, um, you know, to as a as a duration tool, uh, and uh, and so so like I said, so they're they're involved in the new issues, but um, 
but the news definitely seems to be priced in and uh, and the flight to quality uh, during this time uh, with the choppy markets uh, clients are you know would rather stand it seems Ontario Quebec um, and uh, and less so even with Alberta trading flat or slightly through Ontario um, it, it seems that it doesn't even matter if, if Alberta would achieve it up another basis point or two um, clients really want to see you know the 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 pathway for 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 more rate hikes and and where we kind of sit into the into the into the end of this year and and uh, the beginning of uh, of, the, of the new calendar year. Okay, um, given where we are now, Ontario longs traded as wide as one hundred four and a half, give or take. Um, there isn't that much upside to spreads though. Like crisis spreads, so in, in in crisis times, long spreads widen out to one twenty ish. So. Uh, 15 basis points from the wides, which is not a huge move, especially if you consider the the carry pickup on longs relative to, to shorter duration bonds. Um, I mean, it, shouldn't there be kind of limited downside or I guess limited room for spreads to widen from here, given where we are, even if clients are, or maybe especially if clients are cautious at this point, uh, the risk is maybe that things end up maybe a little better than expected and, and uh, risk does a bit better, kind of like the way we've seen over the past couple of weeks generally. And, and spreads come tightening in. I know I do think over the short term um, and medium term spreads uh, spreads are cheap here and uh, and they do there is upside. Um, I think anytime we've seen uh, inflation you know miss a little bit, uh, we definitely see uh, you know we definitely see the rally in, in the markets and and uh, and and probies move uh, almost one for one uh, or or even uh, move one for one with uh, with. Um, with the broader market, and um, and there is demand for credit uh, more globally, uh, and that has been constructive uh, in general for spreads. We've also seen good good buying of, of the long and generally going into the December one two flows. Uh, that that's been a big theme here for for, for the week, uh, and 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 will surely continue for the next week or so, given it is November twenty third at uh, two twenty five, and we're missing some of the Canada soccer game as we speak here. I would also add that uh, you know we've seen the uh, the Ontario ten thirties credit box flatten from the wides of uh, the steep uh, level of twenty four twenty five right down to where we are right now at around eighteen and a half or so, um, and it feels like it still has uh, more flattening in it. I do think it stalls out in that mid teens. I know clients uh, and and myself on a couple of us on the desk. Talk about the the plus eight or plus nine level uh, a few years ago, but um, but I think it's important to note that uh, you know the Bank of Canada still owns a lot of the uh, the five to ten year or stuff that's rolled down the curve now. Maybe you know the uh, the four to seven year stuff that uh, is kind of, for lack of a better term, locked up. Uh, and I think that does keep the the credit box on the uh, on the steeper end, and I don't think it gets back to those flat levels um, from you know f- you know five or six years ago. But if the Canada curve re-steepens, and, and at some point that is going to happen, uh, shouldn't we expect those credit boxes to flatten? I'm talking more more fives, tens, but ten, tens, thirties as well. But fives, tens is, is pretty steep historically. Mm-hmm. And fives, tens itself is, is Canada. It's is quite inverted. Uh, when that moves back into positive territory, we we should see some flattening in that box now. Yeah, we should. Theoretically, um, as the Canada curve steepens, we should see the box flatten. Um, it's very directional right now. Um, almost regardless of what the Canada curve is doing. But if it gets back to plus nine, I'll sell you something. I, I think as a kind of low beta way to, to, to have a steepener on, that credit box flatteners is is a good trade for 2023 because yeah. timing the, the bigger curve steepener is going to be really hard. 
but you can sit in that box and 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 patiently wait. And, and honestly, you're really not going to be that far offside. We've it's not going to steepen materially from here. Correct. So they're, they're, that, that that I think is a good trade. Um, Rob Jordan talked about Alberta trading slightly back or, or right on top of Ontario. They just announced a 2.4 billion dollar inflation support payment. Again, I don't understand how payments support they they actually do support inflation. They don't support the people. Um, what are your thoughts on Alberta here? I mean, if 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 they're rolling out two and a half ish billion dollars in spending uh, just days before their fiscal update, that suggests to me, and I guess we'll see, and I could very well be wrong, but that they have lots of money to burn there, and they'll probably uh, blow through whatever whatever number they they had uh, put out there earlier. Is Alberta a buy here? Should should they be richer? Well, I I still like it. So I mean, keep in mind two billion dollars. Yeah, we're com- we're coming off a thirteen billion dollars surplus, right? So there's a lot to work with there. Um, oil is backed off, but even like even around the eighty dollar level, we're still looking at pretty good upside over the course of the next couple of years if this is where we trade. Um, and then I think like fundamentally, the other part of this is we look across the country in twenty twenty three, and you say, okay who's most exposed to the downturn and to what's going on in, in something like real estate, it's BC, Ontario, maybe a little bit lesser extent, Quebec. Who's at the very bottom of the list? I would say it's probably Alberta in terms of who has like the least exposure to the, just like the, the nature of this economic cycle that we're dealing with. Um, the housing market there is not even correcting. Like <laughs> Calgary house prices have flattened out. You're, you're off like 25% in Ontario. Calgary's not just going sideways. So that kind of speaks to relative economic performance so i i don't know i i, I think tra- like trading in line and you guys know it, you follow the spread in the trading more than i do but trading line with ontario seems um seems a little bit cheap to me over over the course of the next couple of years and i would you know i i still kind of fundamentally like the story yeah me i i have to agree like i'm 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 bullish on oil and so that that i mean i made that well known already and and i, I continue to be and so unless you have oil coming back down to like 60 or lower uh, it things should look pretty good for Alberta. I mean, you should you should see pretty sizable surpluses for a while, and that should cut their net debt substantially. There are few, if any, new issues coming. I mean, they just came in with a long bond, and that's their probably only one for at least another year or so, uh, assuming no no major shocks or anything like that. And that wasn't even for them; that was for municipal funding. Uh, and, and and so like they're, they're once you start to get flows back into fixed income generally. Uh, and 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 you start to see more index buying brought across names across the curve, and you start to see that demand pick up for Alberta and and other names, and especially Alberta though, and there are no more bonds to buy. Uh, that's that's when I think Alberta really starts to scream in, and and so uh, it's kind of like when when you really think rates have topped, and maybe they already have, uh, and 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 then buyers come back to fixed income. That's when Alberta probably does um, meaningfully better, and that. Uh, I think there's a, there's a decent chance that's the 2023 story. I think, uh, and and now now would be a time to kind of start start at least picking away at the name, uh, as as it should be attractive here. We know that you like Alberta, Rob. Um, any other provinces that 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 stand out as uh, fundamentally strong at the moment on a relative basis because we know they're all in in, in pretty good shape, uh, and and. Going forward through 2023, I mean, we have, we have a recession. You you already mentioned Ontario, BC, to a lesser extent Quebec getting hit hardest by by the real estate um, correction. 
anyone else out there stand out as, as maybe getting hurt more or maybe Ontario or in Quebec or BC, maybe, maybe those are the standouts for, for other reasons. And, and that's why you like them. Uh, Ontario is a weird one because like, yes, they're most sensitive to this downturn, I think, but like through this whole pandemic of like, we've been talking amongst ourselves or we've been writing stuff too. This entire time, it seems like Ontario wants to set the bar really low and just make everything look a lot worse than it really is, right? And until they prove otherwise, I'm going to keep thinking that. And in their last fiscal update, like they came out with a $13 billion deficit off a, 12, uh, off a $2 billion surplus last fiscal year. And numbers came out. I thought, like, what? Why? Again, right? And we scratched all the service. We kind of figure out where the money's moving. But there's a lot of contingency built in there. And they're probably still like soft pedaling the economic outlook for this current fiscal year still so again like once this fiscal year actually wraps up i think these numbers are going to look at least a few steps better than they have on paper right now so until they show me otherwise i'm going to just continue to assume that they keep beating these targets that they have on 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 paper and ontario is probably like with the exception of the oil producing provinces that always swing all over the place ontario is the one that has been just beaten by the most persistently over the last couple of years. Okay, so is there is there risk from all the uh, union negotiations that we're seeing uh, that that might drive up their wage bill substantially and kind of eat away at some of the um, likely improvements that we're gonna get on the numbers they've tossed out there? Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. And like we talked about some of the stimulus programs and stuff earlier, but we, we should do come on the spending side, but that's the other issue on the spending side that everyone's gonna have to deal with for realistically a number of years going forward right and ontario's in the headlines right now because we're in the middle of it um but bc already went through this and set the precedent with with pretty solid wage increases right and so i guess the question is on a relative basis is ontario alone in this no they're not right everybody everybody is looking at very similar inflation rates across the country and is going to see similar upward pressure on wages in the public sector. Maybe there's some degree of, I don't know, so, so some degree of upward pressure that's a little bit higher in a place like Ontario where wages in the public sector have been suppressed for a long time because of some of the past bills and stuff like that. But they're not alone. I mean, that's the message. They're not alone. Everybody has has pretty significant inflation and, and wage pressure coming down the pipeline. Contract. Contract timing matters. Also, yes. when they when they come due, so uh, that that that's a factor as well. So if let's if you had to pick your top four provinces, what would they be? One to four, even though it is kind of like one A B C D. But let's go let's go one to four just to make things simple. Well, I think as we're talking here, I think Alberta kind of stands out. And they're they're on the top of the list, and then you kind of have to go a few notches down, and maybe find somebody like Saskatchewan. Like fundamentally, like yes, we're benefiting from the energy price backdrop and no housing exposure and all that kind of stuff. But fundamentally, they just don't carry the same economic strength and sustainability as Alberta. So you got to go down a couple steps to get to Saskia. I don't I, I don't want to call Ontario a favorite because of you know what we're seeing in in, in housing and stuff like that, but just in terms of like fiscal momentum they have kind of been persistently beating to the upside and there's probably some more room at least in the very near term uh, and then quebec has been my favorite for probably like i don't know five seven years since 2015 or 2016. so i don't want to i don't want to 
tossed them off the list yet, but like, let's be honest, the last, the last budget and the last fiscal update and, and, and the election platform are pretty aggressive in terms of spending. And it really, um, really taken a few steps back in terms of like the fiscal metrics and things like that. That that might just have been election driven though, and so I, I don't know. We'll see. On they've they've tended to be more fiscally disciplined than people give them credit for for a long time, and so I'm I, I agree. Like you just kind of give it give it a year, see where they sit a year from now, and for, until then, I think they're still definitely on the list. And I, I still like them as well. I think they're uh, still still in pretty good shape. I think so. If you're gonna give them the benefit of the doubt of having just come through an election. Stack them a notch ahead of Ontario. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. fair. Fair, I agree. Um, Jordan, what are your favorite trade ideas? What are you, well, what are you, what are you thinking here? Just go back to what, what Robert was saying. Uh, you know, we're kind of seeing that translate in client demand and spread. So um, everyone tends to agree that Alberta is cheap, um, but they're willing to to wait, like I said, to see this fiscal picture play out a little bit more, I think, before they take a stab at it. Um, Saskatchewan, they also agree, uh, good uh, good fundamentals and, and maybe a little too cheap as well. But, you know, if you can buy Alberta at flat, uh, to Ontario, why are they, you know, where's the upside to buy Saskatchewan at, uh, at two or three back? Um, they'd rather just buy Alberta. So so that seems to be a wait and see still. Um, and then there's still very good demand for, for Quebec trading uh, almost a full two basis points through through Ontario. Where we are seeing and getting to favorite trade ideas, where we are seeing good demand in Alberta is that 2033 part of the curve um, where there seems to be, um, there's not clear consensus on how one should draw their Ontario curve. Uh, and I think uh, a lot of uh, the street and maybe clients alike are, are incorrectly including the uh, the cheap Ontario uh, March 33s that uh, that are just a uh, should be just an author on bond that will naturally trade cheap to the Ontario curve. But more importantly, a lot of the um, the Alberta, BC, uh, New Brunswick and Manitoba bonds are all trading off of that cheap Ontario. Uh, and now we're starting to see international clients come in and buy the Alberta December 33, oh, sorry, international and domestic clients both buying the Alberta December 33, the June 33, uh, the Manitoba 10-year, the New Brunswick, anything priced in that part of the curve, which is probably about um, about uh, six to 10 basis points, depending on the name, too cheap to Ontario. Um, a lot of that product's getting scooped up. And I think a lot of the street has incorrectly sold it uh, too cheap, and uh, we're starting to see we're starting to see a lot of demand for for all of that stuff. So I think you know outright, you know, you want to own it. Um, if you want to sell fives or tens against it, sure. Um, I wouldn't be selling longs against it. Um, so maybe just uh, just extension type trades seems to make sense. And and there are a number of clients currently doing that. Ontario came earlier this week with a with a new issue, uh, June thirty twos. It was brought the issue size up to six and a half billion, the same as D's thirty ones. Uh, and and so that's probably the end of the, that that issue. I mean, they're not going to issue any more bonds probably in that uh, term. Maybe we could get one more reopening. Uh, but if they come, would it? Do you think the next one would be a, a December thirty two, or they'll just skip right into June because funding needs are not what they have been for the past few years. And so maybe it's back to an annual cycle for tens instead of twice. So I'm inclined for the reason that you just you just mentioned to to think that. They do go to an annual cycle. Um, you know, we've tried to get a little bit more clarity, um, and uh, and we're still trying to get that. Um, so I do think it goes to June 33, but you know, the the jury's still out on that. And I do think that um, let's just assume it's a June 33 um, that it is going to be um, it's going to just make all of that stuff priced off of the Ontario March 33s 
still again way too way too cheap. What what what's the context there? Where where are March thirty three and where do you think a June thirty three is? No, we will not hold you to this when they do eventually come. So for example, the June thirty one, June thirty two Ontario roll is around an all in pick of five basis points. Okay. You have the Ontario June thirty two, March thirty three, an all in pick of about twelve basis points right now. And I think that when you consider where a June 33 should come relative to the Ontario June 32, it's in the context of five basis points. And everything, all of the peripheral provinces, um, for lack of a better term, are all trading back of the Ontario March 33s right now. Given that the 10s, 30s, Canada curve is flat, that yeah, makes makes good sense. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming in to uh, today to come on the show. Uh, appreciate having you both. And, and, and I will... Most definitely do this again because always good to mix the trading side with the fundamental side. Uh, thanks again for coming in. Always a pleasure to be here. Always, Ben. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. For full legal disclosure, visit bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.